السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Can someone just give me a mic check please? Make sure everyone can hear me. جزاكم الله خيرا بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين لما بعد Welcome to another lesson with QP and inshallah ta'ala we're going to continue with our tafsir of Surah Al-Tariq uh, but as you're aware last week and the week before the last two weeks uh, I've been traveling so I wasn't able to do the live sessions I had to pre-record the lessons and for that I apologize uh, we try our utmost um, to the best of our ability to make sure and ensure that the sessions and the classes are live uh, just so that we have that ability to interact and and just so that you know that I'm sitting where I am live at the same time that you're sitting where you're sitting live as well, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, but sometimes, you know, for, for circumstances beyond our control and for certain places that we travel to and certain timings and issues, it just becomes logistically difficult uh, sometimes to ensure that the class goes out in the way that it does. Um, and therefore, sometimes, unfortunately, I have to kind of pre-record lessons. Um, so I apologize once again. Uh, I, you know, we do try our utmost to, to make them live. Um, and so one of the things that we may do in future, just to ensure that the class is live, is we may have to, for example, if I'm traveling, change the day. Uh, so for example, if the Tuesday evening is not convenient for me, we'll make it a Monday evening or a Wednesday evening, depending on, uh, depending on what's going on. Uh, and that way the class is live, but maybe it's just not at the normal slot. And that's only like an odd occasion, right? So I think for, since we started um, QP this academic year, I think these are probably the first classes, if I remember correctly, that I've missed on Allah knows best. Um, but I think that these are probably the first like classes that I've had to pre-record in the whole year. So it's not a common occurrence, it's not like a, a weekly or a monthly thing. But sometimes, you know, obviously, like circumstances, travels and others, other things uh, just kind of come uh, during class time and during our academic year. But inshallah ta'ala we will try our utmost uh, going ahead that even if uh, there are those circumstances we can adjust things but try to keep them, uh, try to keep the class on schedule in terms of it being a live session inshallah ta'ala. So over the last couple of weeks we began the tafsir of Surah Tariq and Surah Tariq uh, as you know is a surah uh, in which uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by taking a two oaths, by taking two oaths. The first of them is an oath by the heavens and the second of them is by At-Tariq. And At-Tariq, as we said, as was the position of a number of the scholars of Tafsir, that the word Tariq refers to something which comes during the night. And so most of the scholars were therefore of the position that it refers to a star and a you know, and then they obviously differ as to what type of star, and we'll, we'll come on to that inshallah ta'ala in a short while as a recap. But generally, the, therefore, Allah Azza wa Jal took an oath by these two things. And as the general principle in the Quran goes, that Allah Azza wa Jal only takes oaths by things that are important uh, from His creation, things that are worthy and, and, and important and significant in terms of His creation. And that is essentially what the scholars of Tafsir said about these two things that Allah Azza wa Jalla takes an oath by in Surah Al-Tariq, the heavens and the night comer, the night comer, and that is the position of a number of the scholars of Tafsir, but Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti mentioned this explicitly in his Tafsir, that Allah Azza wa Jalla takes an oath by these two things because of their uh, significance and importance. Uh, and we also mentioned that some of the scholars of Tafsir were of the position that what the Tariq refers to is rain, it refers to rain or refers to the clouds that bring Rain, and this is a position that you will find mentioned by some of the scholars of tafsir, such as Ibn Atiyah, rahimahullah ta'ala. And it is a minority position, the vast majority of the positions of the scholars uh, of tafsir seems to lean towards it being a star. 
uh, and then they differ concerning exactly what that star is. Allah Azza wa describes it as being a Najm al-Thaqib, the piercing star. Uh, and the, they differ as to whether that star is a general star. So the, no, the, the term Najm is like the name of the whole, you know, the whole category of stars. And therefore any star fits within that description. Uh, and some of them said that it's a shooting star or a piercing star, one that is extremely bright. Uh, and others from amongst the scholars of Tafsir were of the position that it's referring to a certain star or a certain planet. And the word Najm uh, in the Arabic language uh, sometimes is used to refer to a star and sometimes it can be referring to a constellation of stars or even a planet. Uh, the word Kokab, for example, you know, often is referred to in, our, in English, is translated as being star. But it can also refer in Arabic language to what we would call planets in English. So the word kokab can refer to both, and the Arabs use it for, for both. Um, and so we mentioned uh, some of the positions of the scholars of Tafsir regarding uh, Najm al-Thaqib. Some of them said that it's something like Capricorn or Saturn or Pleiades, uh, which in Arabic is called a thuriya All of these uh, positions you will find mentioned in the books of Tafsir. Another said that it's referring to the shooting star. Uh, and the shooting star that is uh, particularly sent upon the devils when they go to try to steal the news of the heavens, as Allah Azza wa mentions in Surah Al-Jinn. فَمَنْ لَهُ The jinn said that we used to go and take and snatch the news of the heavens. But whosoever listens to it now or attempts to listen to it will find a star being thrown towards them. Uh, Ibn Al-Qayyim, as we mentioned last week, Taala was of the position that the word Najm, and this was the position of Al-Tabari and many others of the scholars of Tafsir, refers to stars in general. It can be any star that fits this description of being thrown or struck or piercing. All of these are what Allah is referring to in this particular surah and in, this, in these particular verses. And he said, and as for those scholars of Tafsir that said that it's a particular star, a specific star by name, he said if they were mentioning that by way of example, then that's fine because we haven't really differed then. They're just giving an example of what it could possibly be. Uh, but he, he said if they meant that it's restricted to only that star, then that is something which is incorrect because there is no uh, evidence to show that that is the case. So those are the three verses that we mentioned last week in terms of the tafsir of Surah Al-Tariq, the first three verses. So we now come on to verse number four, and that is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In kullu nafsil lamma alayha hafil. There is a watcher over every soul, and that is the translation of Professor Abdul Harim in Sahih International. There is no soul, but that it there is no soul, but that it has over it a protector. And Mufti Taqi, there is no human being, but there is a watcher over him. And Muhsin Khan, there is no human being, but has a protector over him or her. And then in in, in brackets, angels in charge of each human being, guarding him, writing his good and bad deeds. So in the verse, which is this verse, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, In kullu nafsin lamma alayha hafil. This is now the jawabul qasam, right? The response to the oath that has been taken at the beginning of this surah. So as we've said before, whenever in Arabic you have a qasam, which is an oath, you have a jawabul qasam, which is the response to the oath or the reason for which the oath has been taken, right, the subject matter. So for example, someone says, by Allah, by Allah is an oath. But the word by Allah by itself is an incomplete sentence until you have the jawab al-qasam. Why has this person taken oath? By Allah, I saw so and so do such and such a thing. By Allah, I will go and perform umrah. By Allah, I will fast 10 days. By Allah, I heard this or I saw this. That end part or the completion of the sentence in Arabic is called jawab al-qasam. So one of the things that the scholars of tafsir therefore do, obviously in the Qur'an from a linguistic Arabic language point of view, is that when we have these oaths that Allah takes within the Qur'an, they have to find within that surah the jawab al-qasam. What is the response or what is the subject matter for which the oath has been taken? So in this verse, the majority or many of the scholars of tafsir were of the position that verse number four is the jawab al-qasam. So the jawab al-qasam is that Allah is taking an oath by the Sama, 
the heavens and the tariq, the night comer. And then Allah Azza wa goes off or goes to uh, speak and elaborate on what is the tariq. So now we know that Allah Azza wa has taken oath by these two creations of His, the heavens and this piercing shooting star. Now, what is the oath? What, what, for what has the oath been taken? Allah Azza wa says, indeed, there is a watcher over every soul. That every single soul, there is a watcher over it. What is that watcher? We will come on to in, in more detail uh, now when we speak about the positions of the scholars of tafsir. So therefore, this is the jawab al-qasim. This is the jawab al-qasim. The other position of some of the scholars of tafsir was that the jawab al-qasim is not verse number five, uh, sorry, not verse number four, but rather verse number eight. Verse number eight. And that is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, إِنَّهُ عَلَىٰ رَجْعِهِ لَقَادِرٌ Indeed, Allah is certainly able to bring him back to life. Some of the scholars were of that position. But many of the scholars, it seems to me, and Allah knows best, and this was a position mentioned by the likes of Imam Al-Qurtubi, Rahimahullah, and others, that the Jawab Al-Qasim is verse number four. Uh, and generally speaking, uh, I believe in Arabic language, it is the case that usually, you know, the first issue for which, uh, or that is mentioned after the Qasim, after the oath, is the one that is generally considered to be the Jawab al-Qasim because that is how the Arabs usually speak. What is the closest thing that is mentioned is usually how, the way that conversations work. So if someone says, by Allah, and then they start saying that I did this and I did that and I will do this and I will do that, the Jawab al-Qasim is what they're mentioning straight away, not something which they will mention 10 sentences later or you know two paragraphs later or 10 minutes later. It is usually what is being mentioned uh, pretty, pretty, quickly after the oath has been taken or pretty soon after the oath has been taken and that seems to be the case here and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best but anyway uh, just so that you know that there are those scholars from amongst Arabic linguists who uh, who said that it was verse number eight as opposed to verse number four but the likes of Al-Qurtubi and others were of the position that it is verse number four this verse verse number four uh, has two readings has two qira'at so you'll remember when we did the uh, a few weeks ago when we did the special that we did where we go, went through the different sciences of Arabic or Quranic reading and the different sciences that come together and the way that that's done and we combine between them one of those sciences is the science of Qira'at so I just want you to look at this verse if you have it in front of you uh, verse number 4 of Surah At-Tariq and if you were to imagine this again as we said from those sciences of Quranic reading there are those sciences that are tawqifi restricted by textual evidence and then there are those that are ijtihadi, in which the scholars were able to use their, their judgment and their efforts. So from those sciences that we said that are tawqifi, restricted by evidential texts, uh, is the science of qira'at and the science of al-rasm. Qira'at being the modes of recitation, al-rasm being Quranic script. So if you were to look at this verse and you were to remove, therefore, the one thing that isn't from those or, or one of the sciences that isn't tawqifi, it is ijtihadi, and that is adabt, which is the diatrical marks and the vowels that you find uh, over and above and beneath the words of the script. If you were to remove all of them in this verse, so the alif doesn't have a hamza or a kasra, the noon doesn't have a dot or a sukoon, the calf doesn't have a dhamma, the lamb after it doesn't have a shadda or a dhamma and so on and so forth. And you were just to have the plain Arabic script, that is essentially ilmu rasm as we said. Now in this particular verse, there are two readings that you can have. The first of them is the one that we read in, which is in kullu nafsil lamma alayha hafir. And the word that we're going to look at in terms of the qira'at is the word in the middle, generally, uh, more or less speaking, the word lamma, lamma. In kullu nafsin lamma alayha hafil. The shadda on the meme lamma is the reading of four of the ten Qur'an. It is the reading of Asim, Ibn Amir, Hamza, and Abu Ja'far al-Madani. Four Imams, Asim, which is our reading, which is why we read in kullu nafsin lamma alayha hafil. The reading of Ibn Amir, who was the Imam of, of Damascus. Uh, Hamza, who was another Kufi Imam. And Abu Ja'far, who was one of the uh, one of the uh, imams of Medina from the teachers of Nafi', was also one of the ten Qurra of Medina, or one of the ten Qurra from, and he was also from Medina. So their position is that you read it with the Shadda. The other reading 
is that there is no shadda, only a fatha. In which case it is read, in kullu nafsil lama alayha hafil. Lama alayha hafil. And that is therefore the reading of the remaining six of the ten qurrat. So the six that we didn't mention, so that would be like Nafi' and Ibn Kathir and Abu Amr al-Basri and uh, for example Al-Kisai, all of those, the six that we didn't mention, they were they are the ones that read it without a shadda. And again, this is how again the script comes through. So the script remains the same. Lama the Lam Mim Alif is the same script. But as we said before, that the dubbed, which is the diacritical marks, the vowels, is something which came later on. And so therefore, in our time now, in our Quran, there would be a shadda on the meme, on our mushaf, the one that we have. But if you were reading, for example, the mushaf of Nafi', it was written with the dubbed of Nafi', with the diacritical marks and vowels used by Nafi', for example, in his qira'ah, uh, or for example, Ibn Kathir, or Ba'amr al-Basri, or one of them, you will find that there is no shadda on the meme, there is only a fatha. So they read in kullu nafsil lama alayha hafil. And, and they are the majority, by the way. They are the majority, right? So uh, the majority um, being six as opposed to four. The uh, scholars, therefore, they say, Ibn Atiyah, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, in his tafsir, he mentions that the in at the beginning of this verse it is mukhaffafa min thaqila. It is meant to be inna, but it has been changed to in. Inna, it has been changed to in. And then the scholars have this discussion as to the difference that would come uh, from the shadda on the meme as opposed to the other qira'ah which has no shadda, from the lamma to the lama. And, and, the, and the meaning is the same, essentially, it's just that the emphasis changes slightly. So, when you have the lamma with the shadda on the meme, they say that the meaning of it becomes, uh, the meaning of it becomes, in kullu nafsin illa alayha hafil. Right? The meaning of the lamma becomes illa, it becomes an exception. And so therefore, I think one of the translations actually actually did this. And that is Sahih internationally. So Sahih internationally, if you look at their translation, they say there is no soul, but that it has over it a protector. In kullu nafs illa alayha hafil. There is not a single soul except that it has over it a protector. That is essentially the translation that they have taken, and that was a position of some of the scholars of tafsir, such as Qatada, rahimahullah ta'ala, that that is the meaning of this verse from a linguistic point of view. Right? That is how it is understood. In kullu nafs lamma meaning in kullu nafsin illa The lamma means except. So there is not a single soul except that there is over it a watcher. And the second position, therefore, if there is not a shadda on the meme and it becomes lama, the mam is the meme alif essentially therefore becomes a sila. And therefore, the uh, as is mentioned by some of the scholars of Arabic language, such as Al Akhfash uh, and Abu Al Akhfash and others, they said that the meaning therefore of it would be in kullu nafsin la'alayha hafil there is a watcher over every soul right? which is the other translation I think that you find Professor Abdul Halim um, and uh, some of the other ones that you find that you see they find they mention in the positive as opposed to the negative right? there does, there's no exception in their particular translation so for example if you look at uh, Sahih International Mufti Taqi there is no soul but that it has over it protector but there is a watcher over it, as opposed to Abdul Halim's, which is uh, there is a watcher over every soul. In kullu nafsin indeed over every soul there is a watcher. The meaning, therefore, is exactly the same. Uh, however, you know the difference is a very slight difference in terms of the Arabic language. Is um, you know when you restrict something, when you say there is not a single soul except that it has. It shows that there is a an exclusivity that is given there, that there is no exception to that rule. Every single soul has over it a a watcher. And the other one in Kullu Nafsin La Alayha Hafil, then that meaning is simply the meaning that, that has been mentioned, there is a watcher over every soul. So you will find those two positions amongst the scholars of Tafsir uh, and the Arabic language with regards to the different qira'at that are mentioned in this particular verse. So the first reading, as we said, is with the shaddah, lamma alayha hafil, and that is the reading of the likes of Asim and Ibn Amir and Hamza and Abu Ja'far, alayhi rahmatullah, those four, 
and then the other six which would therefore be Nafi' Ibn Kathir, Abu Amr, Al-Kisai, Ya'qub, Al-Basri, and Khalaf Al-Ashir, those six, they would say without the Shadda, they would say Lama Alayha Hafir. So what does this mean, the Hafil? What is the watcher over every soul? The word Hafil uh, means protector, right? The word Hafil comes from the word Hafila, which means to protect, or it can mean to watch over. Uh, but I think the, the, the meaning of it being a protector is probably closer to the Arabic language, and that's the one that you find, for example, Sahih International has used, and Muhsin Khan. So Muhsin Khan and uh, Sahih International use the word uh, protector and uh, Mufti Taqi and Abdul Halim use the word uh, watcher and they are anyway similar in in terms of their meaning uh, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum was one of the companions or one of the one of his statements concerning this is that the word lamma means illa so the position of qatada that it refers to except that there is a watcher over it that's also been reported from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. And Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma said that the meaning of this verse is that there is not a single soul except that there are protectors from the angels over it. So there are angels that watch over every single soul. And Qatada ta'ala said that the meaning is yuqareen, that, that the meaning the angels that have been assigned to you that will record all of your actions. So the qareen, as we know, like we have two qareens. Right, there are two types of qareen that every single person has. The first qareen is the qareen from the angels. Those are the angels that have been appointed to each and every single person to record their deeds, good or bad. Right, the, To record their deeds, good or bad. And that is why, uh, you know, just going off on a slight tangent, but for example, in the salah, when at the end of the salah, and we give the salam, the taslim, we say, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, to the right and the left, some of the scholars were the position that what you're actually doing is greeting the angels to your right and left, meaning your qareen, the angels that are appointed to you that record your deeds. That's some, you know, some of the scholars said that, and Allah knows best. But the point is, uh, that's, that's something which you find. That's the first type of qareen. The second type of qareen is, as we know, the qareen of the jinn, right? the qareen from the devils, the shaytan, the shayateen. And that is the, the jinn that comes and commands us to do evil, and whispers to us to do evil and to do bad. That's the second type of qareen that we have, the devil, right? Not necessarily the jinn, but the devil that is assigned to each and every single person. And that is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, that whoever turns away from Allah Azza wa Jal's remembrance, We will give to him a devil and he will be like his companion. And as the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in the famous hadith, uh, in the famous hadith that there is uh, that indeed shaitan in shaitan yajri that shaitan runs in the blood of or runs in the veins of the child of Adam the way that blood flows and so therefore we have these two types of qareen these two types of companions if you like and so here Qatada ta'ala says that it's referring to the angels that record all of your actions and he has another statement which is also very similar Qatada rahimahullah ta'ala, and Qatada as we know is from the scholars of the tabi'een, from the famous narrators of hadith. His, his, his narrations are mentioned in many of the books of hadith, Bukhari and Muslim and the other collections of hadith. And he was also someone who studied with some of the uh, later companions or some of the uh, companions who passed away later on, such as Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu and others. And so Qatada is considered to be from the junior tabi'een, from the later tabi'een, those who are tabi'een by virtue of them having met and and and, uh, uh, and and studied with some of the companions who passed away towards uh, towards the very end of the era of the companions. But anyway, Qatada ibn Da'ama, Sadusi, rahimahullah ta'ala, his full name, he said that it's referring to those angels that record your actions, your rizq, which is your provision, and your ajal, which is your lifespan. And when you pass away, they are the ones who take you back to your Lord. And so therefore, uh, that's that's a statement that you have also. That's also something which you will find commonly amongst, therefore, many of the scholars who have seen that they were of the position that the hafil that is being referred to here is the angel that Allah Azza wa Jal has appointed. So, in kullu nafsin, 
There is not a soul except that there is upon it a watcher, meaning that Allah has appointed over every single person an angel that records their deeds. And that is therefore the scrolls of deeds, good and bad, that will be presented to each and every single one of us on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So when Allah as we know will resurrect everyone on the Day of Judgment, and there are many, uh, a number of verses of the Quran and many a hadith of the Prophet that speak about this in detail. And that is when Allah resurrects people on the Day of Judgment, each person will be given their suhuf, they will be given their scrolls of deeds or their record of deeds. And those are all, you know, and, and sometimes the word suhuf is used, and sometimes the word kitab is used in the Quran to refer to the record or the scrolls that each person will be given in terms of their deeds. And so Allah will give to the people of righteousness, the people that will go into Jannah, their record of deeds in their right hand. And for those people who will go to the fire from the people of evil and shirk and so on, they are given their record of deeds in their left hand or behind their back. right? And that is why you have those verses in the Quran, As for the one who is given his record uh, in the right hand, Or in the other verse, Whosoever is given their record of deeds in their left hand, or in the other verse, behind their back. And some of the scholars said that they're given their record of deeds behind their back in their left hand. And Allah knows best. But anyway, the point being, that those verses speak about that that issue. And so therefore each person will be given uh, their record of deeds. Allah says in Surah Al-Kahf, الكتاب, that the, the book or the record will be placed before them. And you will see the evildoers or the criminals afraid of what they will find therein. Uh, and they will say, woe to us, what kind of record is this? There is nothing major or minor except that it is recorded therein. And Allah says that they will find everything that they did present therein. And your Lord does not oppress anyone. And so therefore Allah from this verse we can see that every single thing that we do, Every single action, every statement, every intention is recorded within this record of deeds. And that is why when the people will see it on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they will see it in a way that will cause them to recognize and realize that Allah recorded each and every single thing that those angels by Allah's command recorded each and every single thing that a person did. And so therefore, you know, one of the interesting things that you find on Yawm Al-Qiyamah is that people on the Day of Judgment are given good recollection of what they did. So in this dunya, we're forgetful, right? If someone was to come and sit with you and say to you, tell me everything that you did yesterday, every single thing from the moment that you woke up to the moment that you went to sleep, name to me everything that you did, most of us would struggle. We'd find it difficult to recall and recollect everything that took place. And that's because that's human nature, especially the small stuff, the mundane stuff, the stuff that we think is insignificant, those types of issues, we don't really recognize them, we don't really understand or, or recall in a good way. The major stuff we may remember, but even sometimes the big stuff, the major stuff, over time fades. If you were to ask people, for example, sometimes, do you remember what took place last year? Or do you remember five years ago when we did this? Or ten years ago when that happened? They say to you, no, we don't remember, we've forgotten. And that's just the nature of people. However, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah will give to everyone good recollection. Everyone will have good memory. And that's because Allah will hold them to account with regards to those deeds. And people will have to either say that they didn't do them, or they will have to accept that they did them. And that can only take place if people can have recall. If people say, for example, oh Allah, I don't remember, I can't remember anything. The dunya was like, you know, I've been dead for 300 years. I don't remember what took place. Then that wouldn't be the case. But Allah gives people their ability to remember. And so they remember and they recall everything that they do. And that's why we have a hadith in which the Prophet told us, for example, the hadith concerning the reward of the parent that they gain as a result of the actions of their child. So the righteous deeds of the child, some of that reward goes for their parents. In some of those uh, narrations, some of those wordings, it is said that the parents are given their good deeds that they recognize. And then they're given further good deeds that they don't recognize.
and they say, oh Allah, we don't recognize these deeds, which shows that the people of, on the Day of Judgment have that ability to recall and to show and know the difference, that these are the deeds that I performed and these are the deeds that I didn't perform. Because that child is doing the same type of deeds, they're praying, they're reading Quran, they're giving sadaqah, they're making dua, whatever it is that they're doing is going to be similar in terms of the categories as to what the parents were doing. But the parent has the ability to differentiate between these are my deeds that I've seen and therefore I understand and I recognize and I acknowledge and these deeds don't belong to me. And one of the other things therefore that we see on Yom Al-Qiyamah because the hadith goes on to say that that person would then say, Oh Allah, these deeds do not belong to me. Oh Allah, these are my deeds. And that is that on Yom Al-Qiyamah the people speak the truth. The truth will come out one way or another. For the believers, they profess and they confess the deeds that they have. Right? And that is why in the hadith in which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the hadith that is that is considered to be the hadith, it is called the hadith of veiling, in the sense that Allah will take a person to the side, veil them from everyone else that is there. And they will say to them, do you not remember what you did from sins on such and such a day? And that person will say yes. And do you not remember such and such a sin on the other day? And you will say yes. And that person will think that they're destroyed because of all of those sins that Allah will remind them of that they will acknowledge. And so they don't lie. They don't pretend to have forgotten. They don't. They acknowledge them. And Allah says that I veil them from others in the dunya and today I will forgive them for you on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so that shows that people have that type of recall. And so likewise, this person has to speak the truth. Or if those people don't speak the truth for whatever reason, such as, for example, the disbelievers, as mentioned in certain uh, ayat and in certain hadith, then Allah Azza calls a witness that will bear witness to the truth over them, even if that be their own limbs, as we know in the verse that is mentioned in the Quran, يَوْمَ تَشْهَدُ عَلَيْهِمْ أَلْسِنَتُهُمْ وَأَيْدِيهِمْ وَأَرْجُلُهُمْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ The day that their own tongues, their own hands, their own feet testify concerning that which they did. So if the person refuses to tell the truth, Allah makes the truth known in a different way. There is only truth on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. There is no lying or deception or deceit or cheating on the Day of Judgment. So here likewise this person then says, Oh Allah, these deeds don't belong to me. I don't recognize them. And Allah will then say that these are the deeds of your children. You have a share of that reward. And so therefore that shows that this is something which on Yawm Al-Qiyamah the people are given their record of, of deeds. And that record is something which has been recorded in uh, in this life. And one of the things that will be weighed on Yawm Al-Qiyamah therefore are the records of deeds. Right, The records of deeds. So we know for example there are, uh, there are um, a number of things that are weighed on the Day of Judgment. From them is the record of deeds. So the record of deeds is something which is weighed, the actual record itself. Another hadith showed that actions are weighed. Another hadith showed that people are weighed. All of these are authentic hadith and narrations. And so when you combine all of them together, it shows that all of these things can be weighed and will be weighed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from those things is the actual record of deeds. And from the hadith that show that is the hadith, the famous hadith of that is called in the books of Aqeedah and Hadith as the Hadith of the Bataqa, the Hadith of the Qad. And that is the Hadith where a man will come with 99 scrolls of evil deeds. Each scroll, when it is unrolled, will be as far as the eye can see, all the way to the distant horizon. 99 scrolls of evil deeds. And Allah Azza will command that those deeds of 99 scrolls be placed in on one side of the scale. And that person will then be asked, what do you have in order to compensate for all of this evil that you've done? That we can put on the other side of the scale. The man will say, I have nothing. And Allah Azza will reply that today you will not be uh, oppressed in any way. And that man will then wait for something to be brought out. And the bitaqa, the card upon which he will say, La ilaha illallah, will be brought forth. The man will say, oh Allah, what good will this do in comparison to these 99 scrolls of evil deeds? And Allah will say, today you will not be oppressed and it will be placed on the other side of the scale, the card and the hadith says that it will weigh down, become weightier than the 99 scrolls in one wording. It is said that the suhuf, the, the, the record of evil deeds, even though there's 99 of them, will go flying, right? Because when you have like two sides of the scale and you got one thing on one side and then on the side you put something extremely heavy, it goes down fast and the other side goes up quickly 
and whatever's in it will most likely spill or fly out. And that's essentially what happens with this man when the weight of that statement of La ilaha illallah, when it is said in the correct way with the right iman and sincerity and all of the conditions of the kalim of tawheed, when all of that is mentioned together, that is something which you will see on, on uh, you know, when all of that is attained or when all of that is achieved, then that is the weightiness of that statement of La ilaha illallah. So therefore the angels will record and those uh, records of deeds are something which will be presented on Yom Al-Qiyamah. They will be weighed and in its accordance they will be, you know, a person will either go into uh, into Jannah or into the fire. May Allah Azza wa save us from the fire. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran uh, that whoever is given their record in their right hands for sofa yuhasabu hisaban yasira. They will be given an easy accounting. If you get it into your right hand, the record of deeds, you will be given an easy accounting. And that is one of the du'as that you find in the sunnah is to make du'a for that and to say, Allahumma hasibni hisaban yasira. Oh Allah, give me an easy accounting. Right? Give me an easy accounting for that particular reason. So this is the position, as we said, of many of the scholars of tafsir, that the hafil, the recorder, the watcher that Allah is referring to here, that is the Jawab al-Qasim, the reason for which Allah Azza wa takes these oaths at the beginning of Surah Al-Tariq. It is referring to those angels that record the deeds. So every person therefore constantly is under the supervision of these angels. Those angels never leave, they don't take a break, they don't go on holiday or vacation, there is no sick uh, leave for them, there is nothing from the moment that that person reaches the age of puberty and the qalam, the, the pen starts to write, up until the moment that they die, that pen and that angel remains with them and they record each and every single thing that that person does. And that's something which is to be mindful of, right? That is something which is which is something which we should be mindful of. And that is why Allah takes an oath for this thing because often as humans we forget this particular reality. We forget that everything we say and do is being recorded. And often we think that especially when we're alone, that when we're not being watched by others, that when we're in private seclusion, that when we're away from prying eyes and ears, that we're alone. And what we constantly think to mean by alone is that no one and nothing knows what I am doing, can hear me or can see me. But we know in our religion, that's not the case. First of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always watching. He's all hearing, all seeing, all knowing, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza is always watching. And that is something which a Muslim should constantly be aware of constantly be aware of, constantly know and acknowledge and recognize that Allah Azza wa sees and knows and hears everything. There is no such thing in our religion, in our understanding of our aqidah, our belief, our theology, there is no such thing as being alone in the way that people think sometimes that they are. That doesn't exist for us. There is not a single place upon the earth, not a single, uh, not a single uh, not a single space upon the earth except that Allah Azza wa knows exactly what is taking place. In fact, nothing upon in the universe, in all of existence, exists except that Allah Azza wa sees and knows it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no place to hide from Allah Azza wa But even more than that, or uh, in, in addition to that, Allah Azza wa has placed those angels upon us. So even if Allah Azza wa to me and you seems far above above his seven heavens, above his throne, far away from us, then we have literally next to us, within us, uh, always accompanying us, these two, these angels that Allah Azza wa has placed. And those angels, they write down every single thing, everything that we do, everything that we say. And that is something which we need to uh, obviously know and recognize and acknowledge ourselves. But it's also something that we need to remind our youngsters, our children, our youth with, especially in the time that we live in where people often think that they're alone and when they're on their tablets and their computers and their phones and they're on these social media apps and they're commenting and and writing and posting, people often think that they can't be seen because they have an anonymous name or they have a fake account or they have something which conceals their identity or they're accessing this stuff in a way that they think that no one really knows. And maybe those people that they're interacting with don't know. They don't know who's behind that name. They don't know who's behind that account. They don't know the reality of that person. But that person isn't isn't concealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That person hasn't been 
uh, hasn't been uh, you know hasn't been concealed from the angels that are recording everything that they write and they type and that they post and send out the angels know and the angels write and record everything and that therefore is something which uh, you know which a person has to be constantly mindful of and so this was the position of as we said uh, a number of the scholars of of tafsir that it's the angels that Allah Azza wa points to each and every single person and therefore we understand therefore why this is the jawab al-qasim right? why this is the answer to the oath or the subject matter for which the oath was taken by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of how profound it is how important it is in the life of the Muslim and so when you live your life constantly aware that you're being held to account that everything you're doing is being recorded that's just human nature that you're going to be better that you're going to be uh, more vigilant that you're going to be someone who's you know for example if you're in a place and you know that you're what being watched by cameras it's the reality of the life that we live in the world that we live in today that if you go into certain public spaces certain properties certain uh, businesses and so on you're surrounded by cctv you have like sometimes two three four cameras and sometimes those cameras have sound as well it's not just a video they have sound as well so now you're there literally and you know that you're being watched you're going to be more careful because even as you're busy uh, doing what you're doing and, and going about your life and going about your day and your routine in the back of your mind you know that you're being watched you know that someone has the ability maybe right there and then they're watching you but even if not they have the ability because that's being recorded they have the ability to go back and watch over and replay and and check out what it is that you're doing and that's something which is the reality of, of things and that's just the nature of humans the nature of humans is that when we're with other people when we're surrounded by the people when we know that we're being watched we tend to behave better and we tend to hold up to certain higher ideals and standards and that's why a lot of people in their workplace they have cameras watching them because then they know that their employers are watching them they're keeping an eye on them if there's ever an issue or a problem they can simply pull up the footage and it will be playing on video and on camera the believer should constantly know that that is the way that it is that's the way that they have to be all the time even if there's no no literal cctv camera there's no literal uh, video camera being watching them and recording them in that sense they have a greater sense of that understanding because of the, them knowing that Allah is always constantly watching them constantly knowing what it is that they're doing and this is uh, you know when a person is of that level where they know that Allah is watching them so therefore they are less likely to sin especially the major sins they're more likely to stay away from them they're more likely to uphold their obligations and fulfill the obligations that Allah has placed upon them they're more likely to fulfill their responsibilities that Allah has placed over them because they know that everything's being recorded they know that they're being washed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they're conscious of that fact then that is essentially the highest or one of the highest states that a person can be in and it is one of the uh, ways of reaching that level uh, of ihsan which is the highest level that the believer can attain that is mentioned in the hadith of Jibreel alayhi salam when the Prophet وسلم, when he was asked about Ihsan, his description or his answer for it, its definition was أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ To worship Allah as though you can see Him, as though He's before you. And even though you cannot see Him, they know that He sees you. So if, for example, again, we were to take this back to a, just a, an, an example that we can all relate to, a person working in their, in their business or, sorry, in their job, and their employer, their boss is over them, watching them, then you know that's essentially what they're going to be doing in terms of their output, in terms of their productivity, in terms of you know their ihsan, their excellence that they're going to bring to that role and that job. They're going to be at a higher level because they're sitting next to their boss. Their employer is watching them, he's interacting with them, he has an eye over them. And even if he's not there, but you know that he's still watching because of those cameras and because of those audio and video devices, then you're still going to hold yourself to a higher account than when if you were, for example, completely alone with no one. And that's something which, you know, we all know as the reality. We know plenty of people, maybe ourselves, but we know plenty of people who, for example, go to work and there's no, you know, I've had so many people say, for example, that they like night shifts or evening shifts because there's no supervisors on duty. 
it's easy, it's chill, it's more like, you know, you don't, you're not being watched constantly, you don't have all of these bosses and, and supervisors and managers around because it's the evening and, and the night shift or the weekend shift. That's just human nature to be like that. So likewise, when it comes to our religion, our, you know, staying away from the, from, from the haram and doing the halal and, and all of these things, human nature, again, makes us think that we're not being watched at certain times and in certain places, so we're going to fall below the standard that is befitting of a Muslim. So the Muslim constantly has to be aware that they're being washed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Constantly know that Allah azza wa is watching them and uh, knows everything that they do. And that is something which uh, a person has to be mindful of and it's something again which we uh, need to teach to our youngsters and our children because of how uh, important it is here. So this was again, as we said, the position of the majority of the scholars that it's referring to the angels, that it's referring to in kullu nafsin lama o lama alayha hafil, is referring to the angels, the watchers, the protectors are the angels. Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, and others said that the hafil or the watcher, the protector here is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Because no one can exist without Allah's protection and watching over them and no doubt Allah is the ultimate protector and the ultimate watcher he is al-raqib and al-hafil subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, but that doesn't you know mean necessarily that it's Allah you know even though he is the ultimate watcher it can be referring to here the specific type of watching that is done by the angels and their protection in terms of their recording of the deeds of a person so that's also something which is which is possible. But that is another statement that you will find amongst the scholars of tafsir. And others said, um, and from amongst those scholars who said this was Imam al-Mawardi in his tafsir, he said, the hafil here, or the watcher, the protector, is your aql. It's your own intellect, your intelligence. يُرْشِدُهُ إِلَى مَصَالِحِهِ وَيَكُفُّهُ عَنْ مَضَارِهِ Because your intelligence guides you towards that which is beneficial, keeps you away from that which is harmful. And that is something which you also find as a position amongst some of the scholars of tafsir. But those two positions, the final two that are mentioned by Al-Qurtubi and Al-Mawardi and others, uh, that it's Allah Azza wa Jal or that it's your intelligence that guides you towards good, keeps you away from harm. Those two positions are uh, less in terms of uh, number than the first position, which is of it being the angels. That is the position of the majority of the scholars of tafsir. And that is why Imam Al-Tabari he said that the meaning therefore of this verse is in kullu nafsin la'alayha hafil. Every soul has upon it a watcher or a protector from its Lord. Yahfadu amalaha. It records for him his actions or it his actions. And it records everything that that person does of either good or evil. Either good or evil. And so therefore, as you can see, Imam al-Tabari chose the position of the majority and that is that it is the position that it is the uh, the angels that are the watchers and the protectors and this is also uh, the position of the majority of the scholars of tafsir. Uh, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim he said that here the jawab al-Qasim that for which Allah has taken the Qasim it is the situation of a person. And it is that Allah Azza wa has placed over that person watchers and protectors. And therefore that Allah Azza wa didn't leave people without any guidance. Didn't leave people without any guidance. But rather he placed upon them that which would give them protection in terms of uh, preserving and, and, and recording their actions and that and what it is that they did. That, it, uh, that, that Allah Azza wa has given to them angels that record everything that they do and protect their actions in terms of that recording. And so therefore Ibn Qayyim was also of this position, therefore that it's referring to the angels, and he goes on to say, so therefore Allah Azza takes the oath that there is not a single soul except that there is upon it a protector and watcher from the malaika, from the angels that, 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 that record all of their actions, and they record everything that they do of either good or evil. And that again, as we said, is the position of the majority. And so therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, verse number four to conclude, after taking the oaths that Allah does of the heavens and the Naj and the and the tariq, which is the night comer, that Allah then goes on to explain is the Najmu thaqib that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says 
that there is not a single soul except there is upon it a watcher or over it a watcher and that watcher according to the vast majority of the scholars of tafsir are the angels that record all of the deeds that a person does all of the good and evil that they do and that Allah Azza wa Jal will, will present those actions to a person on Yomul Qiyamah and I think that's a good place for us to pause here inshallah ta'ala because the next verse then uh, the next two three verses are connected to together so if there's any questions inshallah ta'ala uh, for today's lesson we'll take some questions otherwise uh, we'll conclude and just while you're typing those questions just a reminder uh, al-isnad inshallah ta'ala our isnad course is this weekend Saturday and Sunday 10 a.m. UK time uh, till the evening around 6 7 p.m. UK time Saturday and Sunday and we're going through the second half of our book on fiqh which is Manhaj al-Sadiqeen of Shaykh ibn Sa'di uh, rahimahullah ta'ala so we're doing the second half which is the uh, which is the uh, second half which is the Mu'amalat right, which is all the transactions and interactions and so on okay uh, Warada is asking can you recommend a book of tafsir of Quran by the Quran in English I don't know of one in English I'm not even sure there is one in English I don't know uh, maybe someone can help us and, and, and research this in Arabic as we know there are a number of them and, and perhaps the most famous and well known is the one of uh, written by uh, the teacher of our teacher Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti rahimahullah ta'ala which is called in Arabic al bayan I don't know if anyone's done a translation I, I would doubt it of that book or if someone's done their own uh, particular tafsir in English of Quran by Quran I don't know I haven't come across anything so if someone has or someone's aware of something please post it inshallah ta'ala for the benefit of us all either here or on the um, on the telegram uh, chat group Barakallahu feekum Okay, so if there's no um, There's no other uh, Someone said Dr. Mustafa Khattab Translation says there is no soul Without a vigilant angel recording everything Yeah, which is essentially the uh, The meaning that the majority of the scholars Of tafsir have chosen Okay, so inshallah ta'ala We're going to conclude there Barakallahu feekum Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته